0: All right. All right, you think you can pour that in this cup, right? I mean, it's not, not too so hard, right? So. Okay, you, I'll just hold it here. Okay. You go ahead. Okay. Oh, I got the wrong volunteer. Let me describe the rules to you. This is dangerous. Hang on. I did not think this through. You have more water than I do. All right, let's try again. Let's try again. That's good. That's good. So was that harder or easier the second time? Much easier. Much easier. Why? Because uh, you were consistent. I, I was consistent. I wasn't moving all over the place. Right. Pretty right. basic, right? Sorry. Pretty basic. No, that's good. I'm, give just a hand. Thanks for that. Simple demonstration this morning. Yeah, yeah. Simple demonstration. But I think effective for what we want to talk about today, what I want to talk about, you get to listen. See, there's nothing wrong with moving. There is something wrong with never standing still. There's nothing wrong with moving, but there is something wrong with never standing still. A couple of summers ago, I got invited by Angela's aunt and uncle, John and Ruth, to go to their lake house, Lake Minolta. I think that's the name of Lake Minolta. And we got out to the lake, and, you know, we were excited. My kids um, are deathly, though, afraid of water. Um, Well, not water. They love the pool. Uh, But, like, open water, dark water, right? They have, like, this fear. I don't know why. could be that we watched Jeremy Wade's River Monsters. I don't know if that had anything to do with that. I mean, I did that because I'm an awesome dad. That's what we do. Scared the living daylights out of my oldest, Dylan, though. He was just like, Dad, are there, are there river monsters in there? Giant fish that can, like, eat me up? I was like, oh, man, we got to go watch more episodes of this. Uh no, not really. But somehow that passed on to almost all my kids. And they, you know, they had the life vests on. They were ready to go. They would swim in the shallows. They'd go out on the boat. That was fine. But I couldn't get them to go on the jet ski with me, the Sea-Doo. It was a three-person Sea-Doo, red and white. I don't know why that's important, but I want you to picture it. This red and white and black Sea-Doo seats a, 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 a bunch of people. I sat down with Angela's uncle, John, and he started talking to me about it, and he's like, man, this thing's got this RPMs, it's got kind of this horsepower, and it can go this fast, and he's just, I go, did you buy it to talk about it, or did you buy it to ride it? Like, he knew all this stuff. He's like, no, no, you got to go out there and ride it. So I'm out there riding, and I love, I love that kind of stuff. I uh, you know I got out there, the first time I go out there, I turned it into sport mode and the thing got up to like 70 miles per hour or something he said it could go and it's just flying across the water. And then I switch it back and I'm trying to find boats to like jump over and go around and the kids are like, is dad gonna be okay out there? Is he okay? They just see me out in the distance. I'd come up and you know do that turn so the water would just and they're like, yeah. And I was like, come on, it's your turn. And they're like, no. <laughs> I'd take them out one at a time, you know, one of them finally got on, they're like, okay, dad, just go slow, and they're just just clinging to me, holding on tight, we'd just go in a little circle, you know, and I'd go a little faster, no, 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 dad, go back, so I'd go back and drop them off, and, and a few of them just wouldn't go, though, I think it was Evan, he was just like, I'm not going to go on that big scary machine, he was like, well, what if our whole family goes, like, what if we all get on this thing, it could hold you guys, okay, let's, let's try it, and they, they all agreed, that we can all go on there, we'll just go slow, we'll take it slow. So I'm in the front, I have Evan in front of me, and then it was Dylan and Nora and then Angela. And I mean, it's a, it's a three-seater, there's five of us, we're good parents, and so we're, we get on, we get on the, the Sea-Doo and we're just going slow and they're doing great, they're like, oh yeah dad, this is fun. And then I just started doing some figure eights, big figure eights, real wide figure eights, just going in first gear, got my hand on the throttle, just just going around, it's going great. We start hitting a couple waves, and I'm like, whoa, and it's splashing up. And I like, whoa, we're all getting wet. Yay, yay. Go out a little further. Go out a little further. They don't really notice I'm going out a little further. They're having fun. Well, something happened on one of the turns in the figure eight. I, it wasn't intentional. I, I, it was not intentional. I, I, suddenly, we're coming down, and one of the waves hits, and we start just leaning, leaning, leaning. And the way that the sea works, there's a little throttle on the right-hand side for your index finger where you hold it, and that gives the gas. But it's a, like a smart electronic thing, so it does, it's only in the gear that it's going to go in, but it's going to go as fast in that gear as it can if you've got the throttle all the way down. Well, they're hanging out in the back, and I'm starting to feel this pull, Well, of course they're deathly afraid of ending in the water. And so uh, Angela's in the back trying to hang on to the seat and hang on to the kids, and, and Nora and Dylan are trying to hang on to me and hang on to each other, and I'm trying to hang on to Evan in front of me while I'm holding this thing, and it's all pulling, 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 and as it pulls, the throttle is staying down because I can't let go of the throttle, and it's turning this way. And here we go, and it's just, and it just goes, and I grab Evan to pull him off because I don't want him to ride the thing alone. (laughs) So we end up splashing into the water. And Angela and actually has never been so calm. She's usually the one to be like, oh, my goodness. But she just knows. Like, the kids are about to freak out. And she's like, it's OK. It's OK. This happens. This is fun. This is, this is what we do. This is why we came out here. And the kids are all just, woo! You know, they're just dying. Dylan's looking down below the water. He's swimming back. And to try to get five people back on a three-person sea doo in the middle of the lake. And they were like, Dad, did you break it? Is it broken? You know, or is it, what is going to happen? Is somebody going to come get us? They're asking like a million questions. But we got back on. We met back in. And later on, I said, you guys want to go back out? <laughs> so hoping, hoping this is the year they get back out. They might. <laughs> See, that's what happens, I think, to us, too. We sense that we're supposed to hit the brakes. We want to slow down. But instead, somehow we end up hitting the gas. We know we're supposed to let go, but somehow we're clinging tighter. We're no... We wanna slow, but we, we go. Now some of that I think is just part of what's driving our culture right now. Some of the stuff we've been talking about. There's this like hustle culture. You guys know the hustle culture that's out there? Uh, you can do this, you're a rock star, you've got this. And then there's parts of us, like we heard in Paul's story. I don't know that I've got this. Sometimes it feels like I, I don't got this. But we're gonna be okay even though we don't got this, God's got us. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I think sometimes what happens is we keep moving and we end up trying to be God. Just keep moving and try to be God. Story of Esther helps us out in this. Remember last night, Esther has the wake-up moment. Okay, maybe things need to change. Things need to happen. Here's how it goes for Esther, chapter 4. The famous line comes, who knows that you've been made for such a time as this? She wakes up. She says this, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go back home. Take care of yourselves. I'm going to run off and go talk to the king. I got a plan. I'm going to make this happen. Things are going to change. I'm going to make sure I got my political and my power stuff. I'm going to get a group of people. We're going to sign a petition. We're going to change everything. We'll go march in the streets. That's not what happens. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will go and fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She doesn't go running more. She doesn't hit the gas. She takes time to slow down, to be still and know God. Now, remember, God's not talked about by name at all in the book, but somehow she's going to pray and fast, and she's Jewish, she's a person connected to the covenant of God's people, and so she prays and she fasts. It's interesting how it happens when you pray and fast. I mean, the prayer part, I think we get that. The fast part, sometimes, it's interesting it's called fast, it's such a weird word, because you're not doing something, and they call it fast. I didn't look into the word study on that. but She starts to push back and starve those indulgences that we talked about yesterday. She gives no strength to, to those things anymore. They, they're not leveraged in her life. It's not about the power that she might be connected to. Those pleasures that she had for, for days and days and days, that any time she could just say, I want some grapes. I want some good steak. I want some more of that bacon over there. She says, no, I'm not going to partake in any of that. So she pushes back. She starves those indulgences. And what happens when you starve indulgences is you also start to die to yourself. She says, no, I'm, I'm going to not use my strength, not use my abilities, not use all the things that I would normally go and run with, although those things will come into play, she first says, I want to come see what God has to do. Remember that we talked about the trajectory and the destiny and the the legacy and the direction of our life, and, and God is maybe not as concerned about the direction as he is about our dependency. He's not as concerned about the trajectory as he is our intimacy with him. It was back uh, when I was in student ministry, uh, Wednesday nights were like the crazy nights. We had Wednesday night programming. We had junior high and high school ministry back to back. We played dodgeball in the basement and flip-flopped our students junior high and high school and uh, had like hundreds of kids run around in our building and we do a message and we do music and we have games, and we have small groups, all this stuff would happen. But the planning for this took place. I was part of a multi-site church and it took place at our, our, one of our locations. And we'd plan on Wednesday and we'd change things late and we'd say, oh, we got to get that small group stuff out. And one of the guys said, yeah, I got a DVD. <laughs> that just makes it show you how long ago it was. I got a DVD, we got a disc that you got to come get. And so the Wednesdays were like these crazy hectic days. I'd be going through manuscript notes for the message. I'd be trying to talk to the student band. And things were were really hectic. And every Wednesday, I'd get done and I'd be tired and I'd go home and I'd wake up on Thursday and I'd have this killer migraine. I'd be like, oh man, I don't know what's doing this. I must have ate something bad on Wednesday. I must not have drank enough water on Wednesday. And I talked to some of my friends, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you got to take care of yourself. This is a physical, you got some physical stuff. And I'm like, I'm in the best shape maybe I've ever been in. I, I exercise, I eat well, I sleep pretty well, because I do student ministry, and you go to bed late, and you just kind of wake up. No, that's not true. You know, just, that's, a, that's a myth. I was sleeping well. Everything was good. We didn't have kids yet. Then I read this book. It's called Starving Jesus. See, still see the cover? Serving Jesus talks about the private practices of Jesus that he tells us to engage in. Pray, fast, give. These things done in secret with God. These things done with intimacy. These things done to to draw us into dependency. And he says that that if you do those things in secret, your Father who's in heaven will reward you in secret. Your reward will be great. And the reward that's so great is himself. This reward that we get for these things done in secret, this slowing down, this praying fast, is himself. The best thing that God could give us is himself. Himself, Jesus, the way, the reality, the full life. This morning I woke up with this this story in my head. wasn't sure if I'd talk about it, but I got time. So, a couple of years uh, ago, I was at this ranch of a friend's of ours in Texas. They they moved to Texas, got this ranch, and started having goats and horses and all these things. And they were having fun. We had eggs every day; they were freshly picked. And, and Connie, the the, the woman, uh, the wife of this this couple, was like, "Hey, I want to do this thing with you. It may seem a little strange, but don't worry; it's going to be good." It's always a weird thing to start off with. She's like, there's this thing with horses. They just seem to pick up on what's happening with you emotionally and spiritually. Like, they, they just kind of pick up on your vibe. And she says, I want to do this thing with you. You're going to get in the ring with a horse, you know, the training ring, a wild steed. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> this horse, she, Anyway, so she's getting this thing with this horse, and, and you're going to stand in the middle. I'm going to tell you how to direct the horse. Now, I, didn't, I grew up outside Chicago. I've never been around. I think I rode a horse once, and I just felt like I looked so ridiculous and trying to hang on. I was like, this horse is too small. I'm pretty sure it's going to die. It's not, I can't do this. <laughs> so I'm in, I'm in this ring, and she's like, okay, so here's. I'm just going to tell you what to do, and then we're going to talk about it afterwards. Oh, okay. So I get in there, and she goes, okay, you got this, this thing in your hand. I, clearly, I don't remember what these things are called, but I have this thing in my hand. It's like... Yeah, what's it called? Lead rope. Lead rope. I had my lead rope. <laughs> and she said, you know, you do this, and the horse is going to do this, you do this, the horse is going to do that, and she's, she's explaining what to do, and she's like, just get the horse kind of doing its thing around, and it's going to start to respond to you, and when it's really responding to you, it's going to come up, you'll stop, and you'll turn your back, and it'll come up to you. Okay, that sounds good. So I'm doing this thing, and, and, and she goes, uh, this, this horse... It doesn't always respond well, so it might take a little while, okay. So I get in there and the horse is running around, running around, running around, and she's like, you're gonna see its lips do this thing and you're gonna know it's kinda connected with you, and okay, okay. So, see the thing, and I, okay, lead rope, lead rope. Got my lead rope. Raise my hand, <laughs> horse takes off. Put my hand down, the horse stops. Runs the other way. I hand up, I hand down, hand up. This horse is just everything, I, every move I make, it's just running and running. And she's on the side like, what is going on? She goes, okay, try not to lift it so high or so low, like just slow it down a little bit. And I'm just barely moving this thing. And every time I move it, this horse is boom, 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 moving. And she, she's just kind of on the side going, okay. She goes, okay, now, now turn. So I turn, turn my back, and the horse comes up and comes up and comes up. And she goes, "When it, don't, don't move and don't look at it until it touches you comes up, doesn't touch me. She goes, don't move, still not touching me. It's like right here, and it's going like this. (laughs) Still not touching me. She goes, don't move, don't move. She goes, let's start again. Turn around and get it moving again. Okay, do it again, do it again. Whole thing happens again, comes up again. Same kind of deal, comes up, comes up. It's like breathing, (laughs) right in my ear. I'm like, did it touch me? She goes, I don't think so. (laughs) Finally, it just, I mean, so, so slightly just touches me. Finally, I turn around and make connection with this horse, and she's like, I've never seen that happen before. Awesome. (laughs) And she goes on to explain it to me. And I won't give the whole explanation of the whole thing, but I'll say what happened this morning to me. Sometimes, Jake... You're so desperate to run after what God wants you to do that you take off running when all he wanted was to be close. Sometimes I think we're so desperate to run after what God wants us to do that we miss how God wants us to be. Notice I said how God wants us to be the proximity He wants us to have with Him. Because if you don't know how to be, the what and the where is going to wear you out. It wears me out, it wears us out. There's nothing wrong with always moving. Excuse me, there's nothing wrong with moving. There's something wrong with never standing still. Will you pray with me? Uh, Heavenly Father, it's hard to slow down. It's hard to hear these voices in our culture that say, run after it, you can do it. Try harder, put more hours in, don't worry about sacrificing time with your family, don't worry about sacrificing time with your health, you'll get chance later, it'll come back to you. And God, we feel lonely and desperate because there's times that it's just not working and we are worn out and we are tired or we feel like if we do stop, we're going to miss something. We're going to miss some promise that you have or some direction for our life when when really all you're calling us to is yourself. God, Esther, she fasted for three days and I don't think there's coincidence in your scripture because you're a God of great intentionality. Three days of being willing to die to self. God, we know that you're a God of bringing new life and that when we're willing to die and let things be put to death, you have a habit of resurrecting. So God, we ask for resurrection in our lives, not because of our power, but because of your power. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.